Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Burge. Today, David Morrison and I um, look at this idea of isolation, um, sort of navigating isolation through the contemplative life and what that looks like um, in 2023. But before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob Nedia, Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, theruined.com is a place to go. drcrpod.com is a place to go for other episodes of this podcast. Uh, If you'd like to pick up a copy of David Morrison's book, Desolate Beauty, The Book of Light and Shadow, dreamwalkerway.com is a place to go for that. You can also go to YouTube and find an American Sign Language translation of the book by searching Dreamwalkerway. Uh, if you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was anticipating that. Two. <laughs> oh, the long. Yeah. All right, let's reset. Go, be it. <laughs> And take and wait, no. Welcome to. I was forgetting which catch phrase I was supposed Getting to Getting into the baseballs. Oh, stadium. Yes. Went to the Chihuahuas game last night, harassed the uh, pitchers. <laughs> there, it was some, I don't know, it was a Northwest team. They're the feeder to the Mariners. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they're. Their demotion one, their double A is Arkansas. Wow. So I kept yelling that the pitcher was going to get sent to Arkansas tomorrow Jeez. or today. <laughs> um, yeah, my voice is uh, deep and uh, sounds sexy. Uh, there you are. But that's because I was harassing people yesterday. <laughs> We're changing formats. <laughs> Slow jams Romantic with David and Dory. Literature. <laughs> I've thought about trying my hand at erotic fiction. <laughs> That would be amazing. We won't we won't go into that right now. All right, yeah. But I would most definitely read that. I'll be your editor for that for sure. If there's any, if, never mind, never mind, never mind. Yeah, there's just too much right there. I'm just gonna shut that down in my head right now because I have about 50 jokes waiting. Yeah, there's in the, a million. Oh shoot. Um, and examples. Yeah. Uh, uh so is this going to replace the pathways to presence? I forget. Are we still going to do? No, I thought we were still going to. Okay, okay, okay. So we um, we're exploring. We're, we're we're working on a project that delves into uh, centering prayer and contemplative living um, in a deeper level. And David and I decided a week or two ago that we would have conversations on the podcast to try to um, sort of spark some creativity, some new insight around those two things. And so today we're going to break down a topic. Overall, the topic is going to be about contemplative living, Um, looking at it from the aspect of, how do you say it? The age of isolation. Yeah, we kind of live in an age of isolation. I mean, every age could probably claim that, but it it really feels... Mm -hmm. Well, and I think too, you can point, because even if you looked at like 15 years ago, you could point at that. 
but it seems to have grown with the advent of, of so. how good technology has become. Yeah. I, th- I think it could be argued that I, I think it's a fair argument to say that the sense of the village and community and community has definitely broken down mm-hmm. with the, but we, I mean, we've always had urban, I mean, not Areas. always, but you know, yeah. since the bronze age right. <laughs> have had urban centers. Uh, but, but I think that was the argument even then. I think that's the argument in the book of Genesis, maybe the, the, uh, which is one of the oldest mm-hmm. commentaries of that transition and the uh, epic of Gilgamesh, mm. which is, you know, the, the urbanization has isolated us mm-hmm. and made us uh, uh, more anxious and, and alone. And, and in the book, uh, the, uh, I think it's the theory. No, what was it? I forgot the name of it. It's an anthropological book. Okay. Uh, I want to say theory of everything, but it's not. It's two authors. Anyway, uh, and their point was that every technological advancement in human history, uh, we've worked harder as a result, mm, right, not right, right. less. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's kind of interesting. So it is very interesting. Yeah. So yeah, an age of anxiety, an age of isolation. Um, I think, you know, one of the, I remember in the nineties during the, the Eastern European, uh, conflicts, mm-hmm. you know, when the Soviet union broke up and, right. and then yeah, and civil all wars broke out throughout quote, unquote, new countries. Were yeah. Extremely impoverished. Bo- yeah. And Bosnia, <clears throat> yeah. Herzegovina, those, those horrible things. And I remember seeing a, you know, film on the news of, orphanages mm. of, of children and they didn't even have enough workers to take care of these toddlers and mm-hmm. they were literally rocking themselves in their cradles. You know, mm-hmm. children would have their leg up kind of against the cradle right. bars and be rocking themselves to sleep. And now I think that's the image of our age, mm. you know, or maybe another image would be, I think I've said this, uh, 9-11, the, the, the poor man that was tumbling Oh, end yeah, over we, end. We have, yeah, we've talked about uh, that, but it's it's just, such a striking image. Yeah, I think it's it's the image of our age. People feel like they're free falling, mm. uh, not in a not in a Tom Petty good sense, <laughs> <laughs> but just into uh, uncertainty, into isolation, into anxiety, in, into anxiety. Yeah, yeah, exactly, spiraling mm-hmm. into just yeah disintegration. Well, I think um, one of the things that's. Collectively, anyways. Well, two two points. One, I think one thing that has magnified it recently was the um, the forced isolation with the um, oh yeah, yeah what's it pandemic, called the quarantines, yeah. the quarantines yeah. with the pandemic, and then also um, in Western civilization, um, our obsession with uh, individualism. With yeah. achievement, with pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. Which is the stupidest phrase ever. Nobody ever criticizes right. that. It's impossible to do. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and just our obsession with it as a culture and how that how that um just feeds into that isolation, yeah. into that yeah. um anxiety, into the uh um the scariness of the unknown, right? Because yeah. it's it, the onus is put on you to be successful. Yeah. Right. And, and to accomplish stuff, which, you know, that that's understandable, but no one, no one accomplishes something in a vacuum. Right. It's right. always, it's always a community. It's always a group of people. 
Um, some people, you know, a few people might get credit for it, but yeah. it, it, it's always much bigger than that. Anyways, so that just sort of sets the the foundation for this conversation in and around um, this idea of isolation. But so I guess um, where we could lead off or go from there is just like, how, how have you seen um, some of the effects of this isolation, um, the, the focus on it, the, the, I don't want to say that it's been, we've been pushed in that direction, but we're going in that direction as a, as a society. Um, and then I guess on the other side of that coin, just sort of how you've seen contemplative living in your life sort of, um, be, you know, play into what, you know, today's isolation, isolationist ideas. Well, I mean, it's popular in Christian circles to blame secular humanism. That's causing the isolation. And, right, and if you right. would just become religious, if you would just accept <laughs> Jesus just go to church. as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you would just join a church, that would that would solve your you know, that would solve the problem of that would fix you. That would be your quote unquote cure. Yeah, for isolation. And uh uh, but they're just as isolated and alone mm. and anxious as anyone else. So, uh, so I guess for today's conversation, I would say it's not a problem to be fixed. It's it's part of the human experience mm. to to sit the sense of isolation. I think that's again the point of Genesis, the first murder, if you will, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of of uh, Cain and Abel. It's this sense of I'm not my brother's keeper. My I'm not you know. Uh, I'm, I'm a separate individual kind of thing. I and knew what I want. Yeah. As, as Cartman would say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, so contemplative living, which, which a definition for that would be uh, a sense of divine intimacy. I, I, I hit contemplative living, contemplative prayer from a traditional Christian mysticism mm-hmm, right. point of view, but uh, you know, but Buddhists have their, their non-theistic mm-hmm, view mm-hmm. of it. And then there's a, in the medical world, there's a secular, uh, where it's, it's a therapeutic. Okay. So, so it's all, you know, I'm not there. I'm just saying where I'm coming from. Yeah. So. yeah your, your perspective of this, um, thing where there's many perspectives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it would be an intentional way of living. It would be, uh, at the foundation of all three of those, Perspectives would be silence, some sort of practice of silence, some sort of uh, practice of uh, of being still, uh, and and then from there you you live intentionally and you see the interconnectedness between everything uh, in different degrees, of course, uh, and and you uh, and it builds or or creates community. Or maybe exposes the community that's always been there too. That kind of a that that's thing. a good point too. Yeah, I, I, one of the things I think since the as I've spent more time here at Desert Rain, just being I don't want to say open minded, but just my eyes sort of opening up to what what you're talking about yeah. about a community. You know, I've had these communities in my mind, but then when I sit back and, and t- uh, take inventory or, you know, examine my life, 
it's like, oh, there's these other communities that I wouldn't have even necessarily considered a community. Yeah. Right. Like for me, like the recovery community was obvious. Living at Dever Desert Rain, being in this community was obvious. Um, but then other ones that are that are not so obvious and um, yeah, but have been just uh, maybe not just as important, but still very important. Yeah, they're there. Um, but it took time for me to have a little bit more of a contemplative life to be able to open my eyes to them. Yeah, be to begin to see. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's so what I'm trying to say is I'm not I'm not proposing contemplative living, contemplative prayer as an antidote mm. to mm -hmm. your sense of isolation, anxiety, and loneliness. I'm presenting it as a reaction to it. Mm -hmm. uh, so so it's not a problem to be fixed and to be done away with, in other words. It's something to be navigated through. And so there's a difference in that. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, uh, so I, I, uh, I won't mention the name. <laughs> we can bleep it out if you need. Well, I went, out, I went off to an, uh, what I felt was an obligatory past, pastor's conference okay, okay. In, in the Sun Belt of the United States. And, and I dragged my 14-year-old daughter with me to this oh, and uh and, and she uh and so she had to go to the youth <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> she had to go to the youth meetings right right right, right. this was uh of a charismatic persuasion this this <laughs> meeting and and most of the so there was probably uh maybe 50 kids okay. in this thing and she's pr probably one of the older ones so they were like preteen and i'm most guessing of them. most of the kids were pastor's kids Probably, yeah, 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 actually, yeah, or some sort of leadership in churches okay. and okay. and a uh, worship leader, if you will. Yes, yes, <laughs> anyway, I'm in leadership. I'm, I'm sorry, they love to say that in those yeah. churches. Are you in leadership? Are you a full time I'm in, pastor? I mean, are you a full time pastor? God bless you. Uh, it's just a ridiculous uh <laughs> industry, but anyway, and so she was kind of the, the jaded. <laughs> Seen it all. Teenager. Yeah, she was just, you know, raised by a Gen X, Gen X parents. And so, so she's there and, uh, and they're trying to impress her or impress, press the kids with signs and wonders and these miracles. And they were really doing parlor tricks. They did the, they did the, the oldest parlor trick in the book which was to try to make legs grow. Mm. I don't know if you've seen this on, on the YouTubes. So I haven't seen this. <laughs> But even when I was going to a new age church, some guy came and he didn't show that his leg, but he, uh, what would it be? Testified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that he was able to grow his leg. I think it was two inches. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. so, they're, so they're doing that on these preteen kids and they're all ooing and aahing and she's like, give me a break, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And then she came back and told me and I was like, yeah, that's one of the oldest parlor tricks <laughs> in the world. And and so they, so they could feel, she was probably harshing their mellow. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. she was harsh in their vibe. And so the, this youth pastor dude, uh, probably named Chad, uh, Definitely arcade grew up in Scottsdale, Arizona, you know, by the, by a golf course <laughs> somewhere. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, so he tried to call her out in front of all her peers. And, and he said, uh, I'm, I'm using a really long story here. I'm sorry. No, he, goes, good, he goes, Anna, you, uh, you are lonely. God told me this, that you're lonely and, uh, and, and, um, and you need prayer so God can heal your loneliness. And, and she, 
refused to go up there in front of everyone. And she yelled back at him in front of everybody. She goes, everyone is lonely. It's what you do with your loneliness that's, that it's about. It's not going to go away. And it was just, I was very proud of her for that. <laughs> you were like, yes. Yeah. And we, yeah. And so we skipped the rest of the sessions and I think went to the zoo. <laughs> I think, I think being Which at the zoo. Which was probably more, more spiritual than <laughs> yeah, parlor tricks. And it was more enjoyable at 150 <laughs> degrees in Phoenix than, <laughs> than that shit. <laughs> oh, shoot. Sorry. Anyway. So, yeah. So it's. The loneliness already exists. Mm -hmm. I went through a long way there. Just no, but it, I mean that's no that that does set a good point about the loneliness that we experience. Yeah, it's not something to be eradicated, or mm -hmm. it's something to be transformed, mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, used as fuel in a lot of ways. So, anyway. well, well, and I think it, it the picture. I think you and I have actually talked about. It. I think you gave the example of, or I stole it from somewhere else, but everyone being on a body of water. We're all in our own boats. We can our boats can come close together, right? And yeah. we can experience, but we never get in someone else's boat, right? Like we're right. always in our own boat, and we can be surrounded by boats and be in you know proximity and yeah. you know make intimate connections and friendships and family members, but you, you yeah. never experience what the other person is fully experiencing, yeah. right? And um, and that is the human experience, right? And that yeah. Kind of like what Anna said is you could either feed into that loneliness and, yeah. and let it get you down and, and um, not break you, but uh, not even depress you, whatever, you know, just be melancholy about yeah. it. Or, you know, what do you do with, you know, how do you embrace yeah, or that? Or being how phobic of it, using religion to mm. God will get rid of my loneliness. You mm. know? And, it's, uh, and that's one of the promises they, they make, right? You feel lonely, Jesus will help. Which, well, you know, it's not wrong what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think people find all sorts. I mean, I think it feeds into addiction. Yeah. Um, what, you know, what we were talking, you know, the isolation as far as like going into your phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, being distracted by entertainment, which those things all have time and play. Well, maybe not <laughs> drug addiction, <laughs> but your phone. <laughs> Who hasn't done a little heroin now and then when they your, felt lonely? Your phone, your TV, those things all have time and place, right? Like, yeah. you know, some distraction is part of life also. But right. if that's how you're, you know, you you know, getting addicted to religion, getting addicted yeah, to your yeah. phone, getting, you know, that's, that's where it can become, um, as all the kids like to say, problematic, right? Yeah. That, that's where it can be destructive, not only to you, but those around you that love and care about you and, and do enjoy your company. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not totally anti, you know, I, like I knew, I, I knew two Baptists, lifelong Baptists, Southern Baptists, and they're as evangelical and American as you can get, right? Because <laughs> they, they fought uh, for Jesus and to have slaves. So, you know, that's as American as you can get, right? Uh I'm saying this sarcastically. Yeah, I, for those I understand. <laughs> I want to be on record that, yeah, <laughs> just in case it gets ever gets clipped in the future. Yeah, but these were, you know, these were one of the good ones. <laughs> one of the good guys. One of the few good ones, and so, but they would, you know, one of the maxims of their Baptist faith was, if God brings you, I got to say it in their accent, oh. if God brings you to it, He'll bring you through it. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, so it is a way through rather than an avoidance of. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I'm not saying anything super profound there. Well, I mean, you and I have definitely talked about, I mean, I've shared my story about, you know, alcoholism and, and 
needing to turn to an idea of a higher power, yeah. which is, you know, 15 years later has become um, Jesus. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And it, But it's evolved from a, a point. And I really do, as corny as that saying is, I, really, I, I do wholeheartedly believe in that is that life is going to bring a certain amount of chaos, a certain amount of um, chance, unpredictability. Um, and for me, I, you know, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but for me, having a higher power, having faith has gotten me through those things of yeah. unpredictability, chaos, and, and just randomness of life. Yeah. So as an antidote to this loneliness, to isolation, um, a couple, so when, when this comes out, it'll be about two or three weeks removed from a, a really beautiful conversation that you and I had around a Henry Nouwen quote, um, kind of embracing uh, God's belovedness of you. Yeah. Um, and it seems as though that maybe you could articulate it better, but sort of the contemplative life is, is this bridge that can take us from not away from isolation, like you were saying, not, yeah. not a fixture for it, <clears throat> but to allow us to embrace that, have the contemplative prayer and be able all in the same, all connected yeah. and um, accept our God's intimate love, God's you yeah. know, unconditional love. Um, so maybe you could speak a little bit more about that of, of um, sort of that, pro not process, but, but how those all connect. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll, I'll just start with, with two things, I guess. So, so one would be, you know, these, again, we're not alone in this. Uh, Walt Whitman in the 1850s, 1860s in New York City mm. uh, wrote about this existential crisis, you know, in his poem, Oh Me, Oh Life. Mm. And he, you know, he says, what good are you? What good am I mm -hmm. in, the, in the midst of these, you know, these, these crowds that I walk every day? I'm just another slub in the crowd and another brick in the wall, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, so he says, what does it all mean? You know, he's, mm -hmm. he throws that question out. And, and then he, he answers it and he says that the answer is that you are here mm. and life exists and identity exists. And so, so that's, that's what embrace being, uh, receiving the embrace of God, your belovedness, uh, taking the steps into contemplative living, uh, is, is that's what, that's an end result of that, mm -hmm. that you show up, you, you, that you are here mm -hmm. that, and then you begin to see actual life mm -hmm. all around you, whether it's in a, you know, uh, worms in the ground, <laughs> Uh, or whether it's, you know, uh, instead of body of water. Yeah, exactly. So you begin to sense life all around you and then you know who you are and, and, and it's not a, it's not attached to your roles. It's not attached to your personality. It's not attached mm -hmm. to your, uh, uh, your, your accomplishments. Yeah. yeah. Or your failures too. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with those things. Mm -hmm. It always has been. And that's the second thing I would, so we meditated last night on a, uh, a quote from uh, John O'Donohue. He gave a, an interview to, uh, I believe it was Krista Tippett. Is she okay. on Bean? Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So he gave, and I think he died like a week later. So it was oh, like wow. his last interview. Yeah. Uh, 
And he, and he said, you know, there exists a place in all of us where you have never been wounded. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a powerful, mm-hmm. you've, there's a place inside of all of us where you have never been wounded. Uh, it's untouchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the word that he used was, it, it's a seamlessness. That's a great word. Mm-hmm. There's a seamlessness within you. And you can go to that place through, that's the point, to visit that inner sanctuary uh, through uh, contemplative practices, mm. through contemplative living, uh, prayer, whatever that is. And so, so that's what we're talking about here. You can, you can get in touch with that. Uh, I think, I mean, Richard Rohr wrote a whole book on it, The Immortal Diamond, okay. which is you, you're, 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 the essence of you, not... Mm-hmm. Not what you've accomplished, not what you've built. Not even your physical body. Not your physical body for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. Not who you know, excuse me. Uh, Not because of your powerlessness or power that you have. So it's... It's, it's it's not it's something merit. deeper than that. Yeah, yeah, much deeper. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> when we've even we did the episode about the uh, the inner altar. Yeah, yeah. Howard you know, Thurman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And how how that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> um, how Im- Yeah, I guess it would be how important it is. And it's not an intellectual thing. It could start off as an intellectual thing, but how important it is to recognize yeah. that there is that part in you—the unwounded, yeah. the seam, you know, the seamless, the the untouchable altar. Yeah, um, all these different things that we can, and and even using those words don't don't paint the picture, right? We're sort of pointing towards the thing yeah, that it yeah. is. Um, and Howard Thurman was serious about. I mean, the, right? He's he's uh. You know, a, a black man. He, he he said this as a black man in America during Jim Crow, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, where lynchings were done by everyone except for by just the police. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I had to throw that out there. Uh, and you know, as, as the grandson of slaves, and he's and he. So he he. That's a yeah, radical statement yeah, to yeah, say yeah. that to, in his context to say no one can touch that. Oh, I'll just. Mesh those two together. Mm-hmm. No one can touch that seamlessness that's inside of you mm-hmm. without your consent. That's a powerful statement. Yeah. Uh, that's a statement uh, against empire. That's a statement against uh, all odds. Uh, and and to make that your own is a, is a bold, bold journey to take. And well, so it's an inward journey. Well, and and even uh, Viktor Frankl. Same thing. You know, yeah. He talked. He was in a, a literal concentration camp. Yeah. And and he wrote about these things about um you know they they can starve me and beat me and work me literally work us to death yeah. but there's still that inner uh inner part that they just they and you know we won't let them yeah touch or have or affect or whatever you know whatever. Yeah. Um and it you know un- it was a terrible scenario but it they were in community with that, right? Like yeah. they were they were sharing that together um you know and and so yeah just it's just profound that people in the these contexts yeah are the ones that you know because they can truly speak to it yeah so i'm not talking about some uh middle-aged bored uh suburbanite who's just looking for you know a Mm -hmm. yoga experience of Mm -hmm. some sort no Mm -hmm. i'm talking about a, a very intense human experience here accessible to everyone mm-hmm. so yeah 
And, and so, um, sort of with this idea of, of being in, in the day and age we are right, this isolation, you know, and, and as you were, you were sharing the, the Whitman quote, you know, the thing I, I sort of pictured in, in my head was, you know, being in a, being like at a sporting event or a concert and, um, you know, or even like a mall, like a mall food court or what, you know, whatever, just a large number of people, Yeah. you know, and sometimes, right. You feel very connected, especially like at a concert. It's a good example. You can feel right. very connected with total strangers. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you can be in those groups of large people and just feel completely alone. Yeah. I've had both. Yeah. I've, I've experienced both of those. And, and for some reason, as, as you were speaking, the Walt Whitman quote, um, you know, that loneliness in a crowd crept in. Um, and so, you know, as, cause even when you live in a, you do a contemplative life, you still experience both those things. Right. It's not like they go away. You know what I mean? It's like, exactly. I still have times where I feel deeply, deeply lonely and I have connection all around me. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so it's not a matter of like being in physical proximity. Right. Yeah. So, you know, for you, as you've stepped into this contemplative way of life, when you run into those things, uh, how do you allow yourself to experience it today? The lone, when, when you experience the loneliness, you know what I mean? How, yeah. how do you, um, cause I, just from knowing you as a friend, I know you don't run away from it. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, or maybe you will, but it's usually a short period of time. Right. And, and, um, I've seen you embrace sadness and loneliness yeah. and things of this nature. So I just, I just don't know if you've ever articulated sort of what, uh, what that experience is like from, for you, from your perspective. Yeah. You mean like in a, in a crowd or yeah, just, or I mean, yeah. In a yeah. Cr- or even, even alone, but you know, either, either, either way, you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, I'm kind of a weird duck anyway. So I kind of tend towards those kinds of, melancholic feelings anyway i kind of vibe off of them i'm just kind of a sick bastard (laughs) i mean from like early teenage years you know uh i would i would you know i had a pretty active social life you know in my teen years Mm -hmm. but i would also uh take two or three even a week off Mm. and just be alone you know and, and just kind of you know just get away from them, you know, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of, and this is just a personality thing. That's all it is. And, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, if it gets very intense, um, especially if it, if it's attacking my ego, uh, what what do you mean by that? Uh, you, you're not important. You're nothing. Mm. You haven't, you don't bring nothing to nobody. Uh, uh, nobody, sees you yeah Yeah, yeah. you're invisible nobody sees so that feeling of invisibility Mm -hmm. that feeling of not being heard uh and and so then it it, so then that touches traumas from the past Mm -hmm. your family dynamics yeah i was a middle child so Mm -hmm. never all the blame was mine (laughs) always always the invisible one (laughs) yeah i felt like all the blame was mine and then so that hurt they always blame me Mm -hmm. and then the second realization was no they didn't even notice you uh, to blame you so you you didn't get the blame because no one noticed right, you right, right. <laughs> and so it's that middle you know which will definitely which is definitely a, a big hit to the ego like you're saying yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's a uh, middle child middle, middle uh 
Middle Child National Day, but nobody noticed. <laughs> They're like, what? Day Everybody was that forgot. Again? And so there it was gets that. skipped every year. Yeah, exactly. And so, so, but yeah, so there's this rage that can come up, this mm. this anger that can come up. Uh, I think a lot of the mass shootings that we see are mm-hmm. are from that sense of, oh, I'm nobody to you. Well, I'm somebody now mm-hmm. because I'm holding a gun to a at a grocery store or something, you know. And well, and uh, I think too. I mean, with that example specifically, uh, people that feel that way now have built a community about feeling that way uh, yeah. online, right? And so they feed off yeah. of each other's rage, but we don't, I mean, that's a whole different yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. But, it's part of the toxicity of our age. Right, right, right. Anyway, so yeah, so that rage and that, um, the the feeling of past traumas coming up. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, it, so in those times, it does take... A, a spiritual discipline for me mm-hmm. to say, I have these feelings, but I am not these feelings. Mm-hmm. Yes. This person has made, has attempted to make me feel whether they meant to or not. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's, they don't even intend to, mm-hmm. right. but this group of people or this experience or this, or this individual right. has, uh, knowingly or unknowingly tried to make me feel invisible and unheard and unloved. Um, but they are not the final say. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I actually have to say that to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, they are not the final say. I'm not the final say on that. Mm-hmm. These feelings, I you know, and I've had to. This is like uh, through willfulness here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is through discipline. So my, you know, in my thinking, I'll actually say I am experiencing these feelings uh, of isolation. I'm feeling these feelings, and I'll go into specific. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel angry. It makes me feel. Uh, mourn the loss of mm. community. I feel this. I feel so. I'll, I'll categorize my yeah. feelings. Do you actually write it out, or is it a mental practice for you? I, for me, it's usually walking. Okay. So, I, so if you see me walking at a really intense, fast pace, I'm working through my shit. Yeah. Because I know for some people, practices like that, they need to write it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, yeah. They can mentally spiral if they just think about it. So yeah. they put it in black and white, like you're saying. But, but for other, other people, yeah, they can think through it like in that in that way. Everyone's different, right? I mean, I've I've tried writing it down. It wasn't as therapeutic right, 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 right. for me. I, I but moving my body somehow. Well, I was gonna say you're very was, much your uh, the walking and moving your body. Yeah, seems to be very helpful for you to process. Exactly, that. watering yeah. trees and yeah, just yeah. kind of because uh, the trees never judge me. <laughs> The trees always love you. I'm always a good boy to them. They they pat me on the head and just, they say good Thank boy. You. Thank you, David. Thank you for that delicious water. <laughs> my tree, my trees, uh, tree overlords. Anyway, uh, here's some oxygen for you, David. Thank you for the water. <laughs> but I'll, I'll literally go through that process if I have a an inner shit storm going mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. I I think that's the best way to describe it, right? The, this inner storm of of confusion, anger. And you may not even know what the source of it is. Yeah. You just have this, you just feel pissed off yeah. or you feel extremely sad or mm-hmm. you feel confused. Uh, well, that, that's a, a thing I've had to learn to do, at least in the early stages of it, like not even like think about it and break it down like you're talking about, but just because I ran from my feelings for so long to just allow myself to be sad. Yes. allow myself to be yeah. pissed off even even like happiness and joy like just allow myself to be yeah. happy about stuff and and the quote unquote positive feelings it's been easier 
but the negative feelings have taken years, especially, yeah. especially anger. Holy shit. Yeah. That, that, that one's been the toughest for me. Um, and so the process for me starts at like, okay, you're mad. You're not sure, you know, and sometimes you don't know the source. Yeah. Um, you know, all right. For the next few hours, you're just going to be mad. Yeah. And if someone asks you, you're going to be honest and say, yeah, I'm kind of mad today. And they'll yeah. say, why? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's better to say, to be op- upfront with somebody. And when they say you want to talk about it, you know, probably. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if it's someone that might be in- entangled with your anger, it's probably mm-hmm. not a good yeah, idea yeah, to yeah, talk yeah. to them at yeah, that yeah. moment. And yeah. I learned that lesson a couple months yeah, ago. Yeah. <laughs> so you just, so you, yeah. So you process it, you know, and so you walk. I mean, this is what I do. I yeah, walk. Yeah, I say, why, why are you angry? And this is what the Psalms do, you know, and this is what modern therapy does. Why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. You know, the, mm. the Psalms. And it's pretty ancient, right? Yeah. And so you do this self-talk. Uh, well, I'm angry because of this. And I'm angry because, and so I start sorting it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I acknowledge the anger. And then I, and then I go to a place where, uh, well, what does this mean long-term? You know, uh, what should I do about this now? Most of the time it's just acknowledge these feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, and then, and then allow it to, it just kind of seeps, you know, storms always, they rise up and then they, they calm down and the dust settles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it just kind of works it out in that sense. And then, a, and usually a piece, uh, a sense of calm and peace will come because I get in touch with that seamlessness. Mm-hmm. I get in touch with, does this anger, does this sadness, uh, does it define my entire existence? Right. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and you know what? Either do your quote unquote positive exactly. feelings exactly. either. Yeah, yeah. The joy so, and the happiness. Yeah. It's just, this is what I'm feeling and I'm not my feelings. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm thinking, but I'm not my thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm having thoughts, but I am not my thoughts, you know, those, that kind of thing. And so that puts me in touch with a deeper, uh, sense of that, that place within me that has never been wounded. There's an eternal community, uh, in that place, uh, a place of, uh, connection, uh, with, with the desert of isolation around it. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you go to that place. So, well, and even we just recently did, a. Um, podcast about the uh, the mysteries around the Trinity and the Eucharist, right? You know, and and even that. What made me think of that just now is when you said connection. Is you know when we when we step into that place of the Eucharist, right? Yeah, we we're connected not only with with our present people, right, but we're presented with everyone in the past. Yeah. And everyone in the future that will also experience that, right? And 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 it doesn't have to be the Eucharist, right? Like, yeah, you know, I, I is it nitrogen the one that the same nitrogen has been on Earth from the beginning of time to today? And so I heard that about water. Okay, so I, I, don't, I don't know if I believe that, but it, it yeah, might be just who, a yeah, scientific <laughs> fact, or it might be one of those you only use ten percent of your brain, which is <laughs> yeah, not yeah, a scientific fact. But, but, but yeah, the, the amount of water that has existed has always existed. And so that's pretty crazy. Right. And so the, anyone that has drank water, I'm in connection with them. Yeah. Right. In yeah. the past. And, and so, you know, so if this idea of Eucharist makes you uneasy, you can take it to a physical literal thing on earth yeah. of that we've shared timelessly, um, with the, with our ancestors, with our enemies, with yeah. our, with our friends. Right. And, and we will share 
with all of those that don't even exist currently. Yeah. Right. They'll exist in the future and in some way, shape or form. And so, um, and, and yeah. And dovetailing on that, let's say water is, is, you know, it's a basic yeah, yeah, element, yeah. right? right it's sure. one of the classic elements, uh, of, that makes up your world and your body. Right. Mm-hmm. And so let's take it to a, a step further. When we were growing up in ba- I don't know if they do this now. I don't uh, know any, I haven't asked any kids about this, but I would, I would guess uh, at least when I was a kid back in, uh, uh, back in the, uh, early 1900s, <laughs> back uh, in the days. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they basically taught you that, uh, water comes in three states, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 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 Gas, yeah. solid, and, uh, and, uh, liquid, uh, liquid forms. Well, they've identified over 20 now. Really? Yes. Interesting. And, 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 and. With with the expectation that there will be many more to come mm. of of states of water, mm. and so so if we so we think of love and we think of connection only in maybe two or three aspects, mm-hmm. when the reality is there's there's dozens and do, if not infinite mm-hmm. uh, states of love and experiences of that, and so well, uh, it's an amazing thought, right? Yeah, and, and I, I mean I think this kind of shifts into the last part of our conversation is that that. We experience isolation. We experience loneliness. Um, we can we can embrace the contemplative life, right? That's that's a choice we make. And then there's this idea of the uh, the intent the intense um, wound of love, God's oh, love yeah. specifically, um, the intimate um, experience of God's love, um, and just maybe you could uh, just elaborate on how that all connects with this this aspect of life i'm not even going to say the contemplative life right it just it's a part of life that that god god has this unconditional love for us um some people or people experience it in all different ways right there's not a one-size-fits-all for that um and just how you've uh either the way you've experienced it personally or even just how you've witnessed other people because i you know i know you've encountered other people that have experienced it and and um but yeah so maybe we just started with this idea of of the the love that god has for us um and that it's not always pleasant right yeah so we're not talking about yeah a, uh uh as our friend kirsten helm would say what does she say uh confetti and balloons uh she uses that phrase a lot <laughs> you know it's not a confetti it's and not balloons. A party. <laughs> yeah kind of thing uh you know, pie in the sky, which I don't know what that really means. What does that phrase mean? Pie in the sky. That's a good question. (laughs) It's for those hungry people. Uh, So, so it's, it's not this purely positive, elative kind of thing. Well, God loves you, you know, Uh, but no, it's, it's the wound of love, you know, and, and in the Christian uh, tradition, that love is is exemplified or summarized and intensified at the at the cross, mm-hmm. not not the resurrection. I mean, the cross and the resurrection are the same. They're interconnected in, that, in, sure. in the mystical sense, but yeah, yeah. but in that yeah, in that event. Mm-hmm. So not so much the ministry of Jesus, the healings and the teachings, and the and the lepers and <laughs> all that stuff. There's and love the fish, there. And the fish and the bread. <laughs> the fish, the bread, the wine, the water. <laughs> But no, but it's but in the Christian 
history of things, it's it's the cross itself that where this love reaches the apex of mm. all things. So it's the wound of God. It's the wound of the divine. Um, because the moment, you know, I, I choose to give a shit about anyone or anything, mm-hmm. uh, living thing, uh, I'm going to, to, to be wounded. Uh, the, uh, the, the amount that I open myself up to the ecstasy of life, well, that means I'm also going to be open to the suffering of mm-hmm. life. So your empathy increases. Mm-hmm. So yes, you may experience uh, a greater reception of elation, the ecstatic nature of life, and be you know blown away and mystified and mm-hmm. in a sense of deep wonder. But that also means that you're going to be your your empathy receptors are going to be widened and deepened. Yeah, you can't have one the, without the other. Exactly, yeah. and so that's the wound of love, basically. And uh, and I think that's what we try to avoid. That is intimacy with God. We'd rather have logically. Let's just skirt the outside mm-hmm. of that of intimacy with God. That let's just kind of dip in and dip out. Well, I think it goes uh, back to you it's know, a safer way. You know, the jokes you make, but it 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 kind of feeds to this, but like. You know, if, if uh, God hears one more love song about him, he's yeah. going to puke. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's be, because it's easy to sing a song yeah. to God, right? Yeah. It's tough to have this intimate connection yeah. with, with God, even though there's all these wonderful things that you might experience as well. Yeah. But the heartbreak and the pain and the wound um, can be devastating at times as yeah. well. And I think I've probably brought this up before. There's a guy I worked with years and years and years ago. Uh, and he grew up in a pretty legalistic, harsh, moralistic Pentecostal household. Mm. And so, you know, way that way to make atheists, the people that make the quickest atheists way to, way to are, atheists. are the believe these true believers. They, they're the ones making the atheists. It's not secular humanism. They're trying to make, uh, it's not make, the, it's not the textbooks that are doing that. It's they're trying to make atheists great again. <laughs> and they are. <laughs> and so he grew up in that kind of house and he, you know, and he was like, you know, screw that. Mm. And so, uh, he ended up marrying a, uh, uh, a woman that was raised Buddhist. Uh, I don't remember, uh, Indonesia, maybe, maybe Japan. I, I don't remember right, right, right. which country she was from. Yeah. Uh, but he went, you know, he went to her homeland mm-hmm. in in East Asia, <laughs> and uh, it might have been a Shinto temple, it might have been a Buddhist temple. I don't remember. But anyway, all he had to do was drop a coin in a fountain, and I think clap, <laughs> you know, kinda, or ring a gong Action. or something. And he was like, "That's my kind of religion." You oh, know? I see. I see. <laughs> yeah. I see. You, know, yeah, you yeah, just yeah. gotta drop a yeah, coin. Yeah, yeah. Make a wish and clap and or something good, like yeah. that. And leave a, leave a piece of fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and he has a point. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, his yeah. point is yeah. that, uh, you know, if, or, yeah, and I think I've quoted this guy, Dr. Blockhead on the X-Files, uh, the episode uh, uh, Humbug. <laughs> uh, he's suspending himself with hooks. Mm. Uh, and he's hanging there and he said, yeah, I'll pass out and my spirit will leave my body. He goes, if people knew the true price of spirituality, there'd be a lot more atheists and that kind of thing. And <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so there is a good point to that, you know, and it, you know, because we don't readily, oh yeah, I would experience the wound yeah. of love, yeah. but, uh, but that's, yeah, that's, that's the, the, the heart of intimacy with God, intimacy with life, intimacy with your own life. Yeah. And so, well, that, that's, I, uh, I joke sometimes in the, 
in the context of my, uh, um, in recovery meetings, 12 step meetings. And when we talk about prayer and meditation, and I always say, well, be, be real careful with that stuff because you might end up living in the middle of the desert. Yeah, you if might... you take that too seriously, <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> you might end up like me. <laughs> so, exactly. So be careful with all that kind of stuff. Cause that, I mean that, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever quoted that um x-files line on the podcast oh, it, okay. it's, it's true like <laughs> yeah more people knew what what uh what that life looked like i don't you know anyways and um, by the way dr blockhead it was discovered did not uh obtain a phd he was not truly a doctor <laughs> he was just a mr blockhead <laughs> he was a guy that would lie on beds of nails and that kind of stuff well, that goes back to the uh oh, what's the comedian that we deadpan Tignataro? No, 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 no. Dude, he's passed away. He was like, someone asked him if he wanted a frozen banana. He said no, but he wanted Oh, a, a yeah, yeah, Mitch. Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, Mitch, yeah. Uh, he has a joke about Dr. Pepper and his um, unsuccessful cousin, Mr. Pib, or something <laughs> like that. It's, it's really good. But he had that yeah. strange cadence, you know? Yeah, exactly. His unsuccessful cousin, Mr. Pib. With the, with the bass, the stand-up bass in the <laughs> oh, background. Yeah. Um, well, to, to go back to this, uh, this, just, uh, this idea of the, the, the love of, of God, the love of a higher power. It, it's really funny. Uh, one of my buddies randomly texted this to me yesterday. Have you ever felt absolutely crushed? Like both with ecstatic bliss and heartbreak esque pain, you just cry and cry and cry and the longing for God's love. Then you feel reduced to nothing and to no one before you. You feel it fill you. Uh, who so said this? One of my buddies just wow. randomly texted me that yesterday. That's, and it's like yeah. exactly what yeah, we're talking powerful. about today yeah. is like this, this, the highs of God's love and the unknown yeah. lows of God's love. And it not really being God's love, it just being life. Yeah. Yeah. But when we in, embrace and engage with it, like you were saying, it opens up those receptors yeah. in new and different ways. And it, it can be um, just absolute heartbreaking and, and absolute um, amazingness. Too. Yeah. It's, it's a really weird, it's hard to, it's hard to explain to someone or, you know, articulate to someone that hasn't experienced it. Right. And yeah. I, and I think that's what a lot of the loneliness and isolation is, is this attempt to avoid right. those yeah. types of yeah. things. Cause it, it, it seems safer. Yeah. You know, if you've ever had, well, if you were alive, you've had your heart broken, but that shit sucks. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and in the Christian tr tradition, they would say not giving your, avoiding the wound of love is more dangerous. Mm. You know, entering in the wound of love will crucify you, but refusing to do it will be, is even more destructive and dangerous, uh, because there's resurrection on one side and the other, there's just an endless mm. hunger endless thirst you know and yeah. so that's kind of i've never thought about in that context but it's true yeah, yeah yeah uh but you know until then you should just enjoy a sandwich <laughs> yeah watch watch a baseball game and enjoy a sandwich and, it, and it's not all and you know it's in my experience at the early stages when you're when you're dealing with the the more uh the, the traumatic experiences of your childhood and, and those pockets of, of, of deep emotion, uh, those start to mellow out mm -hmm, in the, mm -hmm. as you, as you practice, as you, as you go through, um, 
as you experience more of life. What's well, funny? So, so it becomes kind of a, I don't know. It's it's not these super highs and lows anymore. At least in my experience. Well, and it's funny too because I I I've shared. I know I've shared this on the podcast, but the first time I did a meditation, I had a um, a hallucinogenic experience. Yeah. Like I was on drugs. Yeah. I mean, a Christian was, tradition would call that a vision. Yeah, that was 15 <laughs> years ago. You know how many I've had since then? Huh. Zero. Oh, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I had this real, and you know, it, it's like the funny stories we tell ourselves. It's like, yeah, God knew that I would fucking love that. <laughs> so he, yeah. he he tossed me some breadcrumbs. So then I would, you know, and so I, I, on a certain level, I chased that for several years. Right. How can I set this up? For yeah. That? We should do an and episode then, on that. And then I realized that, oh, that wasn't, that was just that experience yeah, yeah. that I've, you know, I've had. And, and, um, and that's not true. I've had a couple, that's, I, I'm exaggerating. Yeah. There's couple, dreams. There's, yeah. I've had a couple other. There's amazing really coincidences. Weird, yeah. And, visions and stuff like that since that time. Yeah. yeah. But it was just, it was so profound. Your reaction me. to it is, yeah. That's, yeah it yeah. was so profound to me at the time that I was like, oh man, this meditation thing, that's, that's the answer to everything, right? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> almost like a manic thing. Like we've talked about, right. you know, people have with those, those blissful experiences anyways. Um, but I've continued the meditation practice anyways, even though I've, I've, and so I think it goes back to that, that idea you just said, like the highs and, you know, it, the lows aren't as low, but also be mindful that the highs aren't going to be yeah. as, as high as well. And, um, and it's it, not that the pain isn't there or the joy. Mm-hmm. It's just your reaction to it yeah, because yeah. you're not over identified with, with the pain. You're not over identified with the joy either exactly. anymore. So it's, um, we're getting close to the hour. I don't know if there's wow. anything else that, um, is on your mind with this specific thing that we haven't touched on that you'd like to um, touch on or? I mean, it's a counterintuitive thing, right? To, uh, are you afraid of being alone and isolated? Then go spend some time alone in solitude. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's yeah, a very yeah. counterintuitive thing. Oh, thanks doctor. Uh, no, that's true. It's very you know, true though. But it, yeah. And so, you know, so, so again, and we've talked about it, you know, uh, do it in small increments and uh, or maybe add a, a third thing to what you do. Maybe uh, maybe it's gardening. You mm. know, uh, like uh, I don't know if you if you know my wife Marsha, Marsha Lynn. <laughs> Good old Marsha. Marsha Lynn Marsin. <laughs> you know you know her. We love ma- you, Marsha. Her maiden name is Galusha. I did know that. Galusha. I about that. <laughs> That's so good. That's uh, anyway. Uh, it's when you throw a bowling ball into a pool of water. <laughs> it makes Galusha. Uh, when I first met her, I, when I was about, I was, I think I was 16 and she was seven, she was like 18 or 17. And, uh-huh. and uh, I said, what's your name? And she was all Marsha Galusha. And I was like, what? Galusha. I was like, you need to get married. She <laughs> shows what my misogyny in the 80s, yeah, yeah, late exactly. 80s was. Uh, total misogyny. Anyway. And she uh, still, and she still picked you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, she, uh. <laughs> She settled. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot my whole point of view. No, you were talking about uh, adding a third thing. So you mentioned gardening and and she loves gardening. Yeah, so I was with her at Lowe's, you know, that place Lowe's. uh, And, you know, we're in the garden section. And and she's done this for years. She Mm -hmm. goes to the clearance section and looks for the most... The, the plants that are dying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she takes those home and, and uh, you know, takes care of them yeah. to do something that simple, you know, yeah. uh, 
take care of something that's that grows, that's alive, uh, is can be a very profound yeah thing, you know. And uh, well, it's funny because on that same note, during quarantine, I started trying to grow avocado trees from the pit. Oh yeah, yeah. And it has taught me so much about patience. Yeah. About failure. So then you're practicing without knowing that you're practicing. Yeah, exactly. And I think, wasn't that a a big social trend too during, uh, people were doing house plants and stuff like that. Bread. Yeah. The bread made no sense to me. I was like, well, that one only lasted about two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it moved on to the Lion (laughs) King or whatever. The Lion King. No, the oh the yeah, meth, yeah 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 meth guys. Oh yeah, Tiger. I'm so King, ashamed I watched that. That was awful. <laughs> Tiger stuff. I canceled Netflix after that. I was like, you hooked me into this. I was it was so gross. It was like, uh, anyway. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, so add the third thing. Find find yeah, that, find that connection. And then you'll practice without practicing, mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. and 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 then your soul, you're more in touch with that inner community. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's right out of scripture, you know, that's right out of the, the the last discourse of Jesus in the gospel of John. I think it's around 15 or 16. He says, I and my father will make their home in you. So in other words, this, this idea of the, of the blessed Trinity, the Holy Trinity, the eternal communion of God, Father, Son, Spirit, uh, dwelling inside of you. Mm. And so making your soul the the temple of the holy yeah. uh and you know and then realizing it's not you personally only exclusively yeah it, 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 yeah, it, it goes it outward out. yeah. yeah it ripples yeah. out to so the i'm not talking world. about yeah i'm yeah i'm i'm more special than everyone else yeah, yeah. well and i think that's the, the the sort of the point we've tried to make with this podcast overall is that anything we're talking about is accessible to everybody yeah there's no there's no gatekeepers. There's no one, you yeah. know, keeping you, you know, keeping you from this stuff. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of you have to be initiated. Yeah, exactly. exactly, exactly. I'm not. I'm not totally against it. I'm just saying. Yeah, there's there's a place in, in time for all that yeah. kind of stuff, but but there's also, I mean, it, it's also important to let people know it's accessible at all yeah, times. Yeah. You know. Um, you feel good? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet man. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Very good. Um, thank you to Dan Danny West. Uh, sound. He does all the sound editing and or editing and sound engineering. Uh, what you hear in the background is old Jacob Nedia at Monk Drums. Thank you for that. Um, Dreamwalkerway.com for David's book Desolate Beauty. Uh, you can also catch the Kindle version. Yeah, please. If you have a Kindle, please uh, consider buying that. Um, and YouTube. Thank you to Kirsten for the American Sign Language translation. That's it. Yeah. Thank you everyone for or thank you everyone for listening. Confetti and balloons to all. Confetti and balloons to all. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. And let's get into it. <laughs>